The first reading is from the book of Acts and is the story of the gift of God's Holy Spirit to the church at Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-faring Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Gospel reading this morning is from John, chapter 14. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. And we start at verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I apologise that I can't match Andrew's sartorial elegance this morning. There's probably a sermon in there, something about uh, expecting to be covered by the clothes of the church and then discovering that uh, you're going to be revealed in all your inglory. Um, we're going to look at John, the John passage together. If you want to have it open uh, before you, it's on page 1082 of your uh, Bibles in front of you. But before we do that, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for this uh, gift of your scripture that uh, lies open before us. And we ask you will now inhabit our hearts and thoughts as we try and understand what you would have us to take away from it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you have ever felt utterly deserted in your life. I don't know if you've ever come to a place expecting a certain future and then had that future dashed uh, in front of you. Or maybe had someone who you had hitherto relied upon, who you had built a present and a future with, uh, and discovered that they were no longer going to be part of your life. I remember as a boy, uh, very clearly, I was only 11, but I remember it very clearly even now, um, my first day at boarding school. I'd been brought up in Africa, uh, hitherto, and now I was going to start at St. Lawrence College uh, down in Kent, and my father and mother dropped me off. I'm the eldest of five, so this was the first such experience for all of us. And I remember after they had gone, feeling utterly and totally bereft, wondering what on earth the future would hold wondering who I would have to talk to, wondering where I would go if I needed someone to turn to. And the scene in our gospel that we read this morning is just that in many ways. The scene in the upper room, the, what we now know as the Last Supper, the reality of Jesus' departure from the disciples is being hammered home to them. They have come to Jerusalem and now he has told them absolutely clearly that their journey together is just about to finish and he is going to die. He's not just walking away, he's actually going to die. 
And he's preparing them for this separation. He's preparing them for their future without him. Already, in fact, the 12 is now 11 when we come to this chapter 14. Although they may not have realized, already one of their number has left them. Things are never going to be the same again. And in chapter 13, he makes it very clear that where he is going, they cannot immediately follow. They cannot come after him. They have been following him for three years, and now they cannot follow him any longer. Later, he says, but not now. And I cannot imagine what that must have meant to them. We don't know a huge amount about the disciples, but for them, three years of discipleship, apprenticeship, three years of following, three years of growing together is now coming to an end. They must have been bereft. There must have been a range of emotions, everything from sadness to confusion, bewilderment, and even anger and possibly despair. And so Jesus makes them promises. They're asking questions about the future, and the first question is at the end of chapter 13. Where are you going Where are you going? And our chapter 14 begins with an answer to that. So the first question, where are you going, is met with the answer, home. I'm going home to my father's house. And I'm going in order that you may join me later. He gives them, if you like, a place, a home. That's the first promise he makes. You will have a home. You are not being left. I'm giving you a home, a future home. The next question, how can we follow you? We don't know the way. Where is this home? How do we get there? And of course, in verses 6 and 7, we have the glorious response of Jesus. I am the way. I am the way. To know me is to know my Father's house. I am the way. You come through me. And then we come to the passage that we read this morning. And the question is, Show us our destination. Where is the Father? Where is the Father's house? Philip asked the question. I don't know if impatience is the right word to describe Jesus' immediate response to that, but certainly as he addresses that question, he points them, I'm sure lovingly and gently, to the fact that for the last three years he's been gradually showing them that that question is about his own character and position and who he is. So the answer, where is the Father? The answer, where is our destination? Is right here with you. So he's offered them a home, he's offered them a door, and now he's offering them a presence. Right here with you, Father, Son, and now there's going to be the Spirit. And not just right here with you, alongside as I have been, but in you. This will be a mutual dwelling. This will be an indwelling. And it offers resources to the disciples for the present and for the future. And he offers them two specific things, which we'll just have a quick look at. Strength and guidance, just the things I'm sure that they needed to hear. Strength and guidance through this presence. First of all, the strength. You will have a connection to Father God direct through me because we are one and the same. And this will provide you with all the strength you need. So if you look uh, at verse 12, 
and 13. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. There will be strength. There will be an ability to be part of the the Godhead in that sense, being part of the Father and the Son. There will be that link direct to the Father through Christ. If you think you have seen wonders, Jesus says, if you think of the last three years you have seen a, a unique example of God at work in a special way, and if you believe in that, then believe me when I tell you more, much more, is going to be accomplished in the future. Much more is yet to come. So be strong, because you will have the presence of God available through me. And of course, our our reading from Acts of Pentecost is the first fulfillment of that, the Spirit coming, the first of these greater acts, the first of these wonders that the disciples are going to discover for themselves. And the second thing he promises through this presence is guidance. The guidance comes in the form of a guide. Now it's his teaching, he says in verse 15. You have my teaching. You will always have my teaching. And then in the future, there will be added to that the personal teaching and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, counselor, to help you and be with you forever. There's no desertion here. There's no separation. There's no leaving. Our new relationship is forever. It has no end. The spirit of truth. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And of course we have these promises with us now, today. In scripture and with the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. There are huge riches in this chapter and we obviously don't have time to do much more this morning. But just note one thing here please. He doesn't say to the disciples, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. Everything's going to work out fine. But what he does say is that whatever happens, you will have the strength of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you and part of you, and you will have the guidance you need. You will be equipped. You will be given resources to deal with it. And we are given those promises for ourselves. And his presence, a strength and guide, is there so that we can experience his peace. And in verse 27, it wasn't part of our reading, but it culminates, if you like, this section. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. We are going to be separated, as you know me now, for a while. But my peace I leave with you the peace of the Holy Spirit indwelling amongst us. Amen.